Hey, Melissa. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. Thought we would start this podcast with a short personal story about Roberto Clemente. Sounds great. I remember this like it was yesterday. It was January 1st, 1973. At the time, I lived on Prindle Avenue in Arlington Heights, Illinois. I was downstairs in the basement listening to the radio. In between the songs, the station reported the plane crashed off the shore of Puerto Rico. No survivors were reported, including Roberto Clemente. At the age of 10, I couldn't believe that my hero had died. When I told my parents what had happened, they could see I was upset, noticing I had been crying. Since I was six, I wanted to be a baseball player like my hero, Clemente. For the last five years, I had collected, for the last five decades, I've collected Clemente memorabilia, such as baseball cards, bobbleheads, jerseys, and books. My Clemente baseball card collection is worth at least $20,000. Oh my God, $20,000? Are you kidding? No. My my favorite card is a 1956 Topps. It is worth $2,000. Can you describe the card for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you have it here in the studio. Um, It's got a beautiful, it almost looks like a drawing rather than a photograph of Roberto Clemente. It has his name, Roberto Clemente. He was outfield for the Pittsburgh Pirates, so it shows his um, position on there. And it's got a great, so there's a larger drawing of his, like a close-up of his face. But then in the background, it's got this great picture of him kind of in action with his arms outstretched, catching what was maybe like a fly ball or something like that. Good description. Very cool. If you think that's crazy, let's look up the price of his rookie card on eBay. Okay. What do you find when you do so? Oh, my God. <laughs> Is this it? The 1955 Tops. Roberto Clemente, $104,895. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) If that card was in perfect condition, it would be worth at least half a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. I mean, our baseball cards, they're just like a little piece of cardboard. Yes, but that doesn't mean much to collectors. Can you tell the listener the name of the player on the card one more time? Yes, it says Roberto Clemente. Okay, so later in this podcast, I will explain why I asked you that question. Okay. Well, I have to tell you, Melissa, that I even pay tribute to Clemente in my history classes. When doing group work, I give my students a certain amount of time to complete their task, such as five minutes and 21 seconds. Some students eventually ask me, what's up with the 21 seconds? (laughs) On the last day of the semester... I answer that question. I wear my Clemente jersey, which oh. has the number 21. Yes, I, you have it on right now as we're recording this podcast, so it's really cool. Right, thank you. So why do I admire Clemente? Is it because he was my first hero? I'm sure that is part of the reason. However, like the study of history, my admiration is more complex than just that. It is really the sto- story of this podcast you want to hear more? Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. Are you kidding? Absolutely. I mean, I've heard of Roberta Clemente, but I mean, I was kind of surprised we were doing a podcast on him because, um, I mean, 
he's a baseball player, which is cool, but I don't know how often he turns up in the history textbooks, right? Well, he doesn't. Uh, your comments also bring up a great point. What really is history? Is it just what is written in the textbooks, or is history more personable? For me, it's both. So you mean, like, we each have our own history, and there's history that's going on around us that may or may not affect us directly. Exactly. Moreover, your history is obviously more relevant and important to you. With that in mind, let's tackle a few questions. Who is Roberto Clemente? Is the first question we'll address. The second is how relevant is he to me and hopefully to my listeners or our listeners at the end of this podcast? Well, so now you've asked the, the questions. So, but what my question is, is do we have a theme song for this podcast? We sure do. So this time I picked Heroes by David Bowie. Oh. And I think this is really relevant to, obviously, how I see Roberto Clemente, but also how Roberto Clemente kind of lived his life. I think the lyrics really do a great job of connecting with it. Maybe we can read those. Sure. So I'll start us out. Through nothing. We'll keep us together. We could steal time. Just for one day. We can be heroes. Forever and ever. What do you say? great song for this podcast. I think you've really outdone yourself this time. Thanks. So I'm interested in that first question. Who is Roberto Clemente? Let's jump in. Well, Roberto Clemente was born August 18, 1934, on the island of Puerto Rico, just outside the city of San Juan. Like myself, Clemente was obsessed with baseball when he was a kid. His parents gave him a nickname of... Momen because he was so full of energy all the time. Clemente was not the first player in Puerto Rico to want to play in the major leagues. There is what historian, baseball historians call the... The Three Kings. The last of these three kings made it into the minor leagues, but due to his skin color, he never made it any farther. The other two kings were white. You must remember that Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947 when Branch Rickey signed him to the Brooklyn Dodgers, now in L.A. In February 1954, the Dodgers signed Clemente to a contract for $5,000 with a bonus of $10,000. Clemente's dad signed the contract since Clemente was not old enough to do so. The Dodgers put Clemente on their minor league team, the Montreal Royals. Oddly enough, the Dodgers attempted to hide Clemente from the rest of the league. The last thing the Dodgers wanted was to see Clemente playing with their rivals, the New York Giants, 
who happened to have a center fielder named Willie Mays. I thought the Giants were in San Francisco. Yeah, they moved a year after the Dodgers did to California. One time, the Dodgers even pinch hit for Clemente when the bases were loaded. Why would they do that? According to historian David Moranis, the Dodgers did so because of money and race. What do you mean race? Jackie Robinson was on the Dodgers, right? Yes, but in those days, even the Dodgers had racial quotas for how many black players they could field on their major league team at one time. Thankfully for Clemente, Branch Rickey... The guy who signed Robinson. Yep, was now the general manager for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates were the first to pick from the minor league players, and of course they picked Clemente. Ricky also influenced baseball in another way. He developed a fiberglass batting helmet, which he patented, that's used still to today. His slogan, Luck is the residue of design. Sure worked with Robinson, Clemente, and the batting helmet. (laughs) Given that Latin players make up about 25% of the MLB today, including Albert Pujols and Javi Baez, it is easy to look back on Clemente as the chosen one, who broke down the barriers for all Latin players. It is true that Clemente did so, but this simple narrative fails to take into account the many challenges Clemente faced during this era, both inside and outside of baseball. Two challenges really stand out. First of all, Roberto had the same urgent will and strong sense of self as Jackie Robinson, and it was as hard for him as it had been for Robinson to follow Mr. Ricky's advice to ignore racial abuse. Claims Moranis, You see, in Puerto Rico, Clemente was not judged by the color of his skin. Let's look at a team picture of the 1960 Pirates. What do you see? Well, I mean, if we were just talking about skin color... Um, I'm seeing a picture of basically all white males. So the team is all white. The coaches are all white. Um, I only see two players that, you know, don't have white skin. And I'm assuming one of them is Roberto. That's exactly correct. In Puerto Rico, there were no signs like whites only. When he arrived in America for the first time, Clemente struggled with the concept of racial identity. Well, so Puerto Ricans, who are Americans, didn't face discrimination as they did in, let's say, Alabama. Right. The civil rights movement in America had almost no impact on Puerto Ricans. Oh, amazing. To make things more complicated, Clemente spoke Spanish. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah, well, reporters who interviewed Clemente quoted him phonetically, such as... Well, I'll read the quote as I think, you know... Mm -hmm. normally. So I am not of the white people. I have colored skin. That is the first thing I straighten out. I like all the people, both colored and the white. And since I'm colored myself in the skin, I would be silly to hate myself. So I'm reading the words, you know, the, but when I see how they wrote out the quote, they really, they're spelling it out, like you said, phonetically. So Where he says the first thing, they spelled thing, not T-H-I-N-G, but T-H-E-E-I-N-G. So just to make sure when you read it, you say thing instead of thing. And where he says silly, they didn't write S-I-L-L-Y. It's S-E-E, so it's silly. So they're, yeah. <laughs> for no reason, they're writing it out this way. It, it is odd that Clemente 
had to explain his skin color to a reporter. Yeah. More telling is this quote made Clementi sound stupid. The other challenge Clementi faced early in his career was his inability to perform due to injuries. During the 1960 season, that began to change. At the end of the year, Clemente and the Pirates met the heavily favored Yankees in the World Series. Branch Rickey, no longer in the Pirates organization, telegrammed the team and said, I would rather have you beat the Yankees than any other team in the world. And you can, and you will. He was one of the few <laughs> who believed it. In the first games, the first three games of the Pirate of the World Series, the Pirates had been outscored 30 to 9. But in one of the most memorable World Series ever, the Pirates won game 7 in the 10th <laughs> inning when Bill Mazeroski <laughs> hit a home run to end the game and the series. Oh my gosh. As for Clemente, he hit in all 7 games, the only player to do so. When it came time to pick the MVP for the year, Clemente was humiliated. Even though he batted 314 for the season with 94 RBIs, Clemente said, The writers make me feel bad when you don't even get considered. Instead of getting mad, he got even. Actually, he got mad as well. 1961 was a breakout year for Clemente. He hit 351, collected 201 hits, and won his first batting title and gold glove awards. Wow. This transformation from good player to superstar was driven by two elements. One of these was Clemente's decision to use a new bat, the U1. The uniqueness of this bat was that it had no knob on the end of it. The more important element Clemente had was his passion to prove others wrong. Watching videotape of Clemente batting, you can see him launch not only the bat at the ball, but his whole body as well. After striking the ball, he runs with a sense of urgency, as if his uniform is on fire. Hmm. When he did just that in Game 3 of the 1971 World Series against the Orioles, the Orioles manager said, It's the most memorable play of the series. Maybe the Pirates announcer captured Clemente's passion best. When Clemente came to the bat, the announcer declared, Arriba, Arriba, meaning let's go. Opposing pitchers tried everything they could to get Clemente out, including knocking him down the first time up or throwing pitches outside the strike zone to get him to chase. Nothing worked. <laughs> Orioles manager Earl Weaver said it best. We couldn't get him out. Clemente's passion was not contained to baseball alone. When he and his wife were looking to purchase furniture at a store in New York City, he was taken to a showroom with inexpensive furniture. The clerk said, Well, you don't have enough money to buy that. When Clemente took out his wallet with $5,000 in it, the clerk made the mistake of saying, Oh, well, when you walked in, we thought you were like any other Puerto Rican. This comment infuriated Clemente who lectured the clerk when he said, Your business is to sell to anybody. I don't care if I'm Puerto Rican or Jewish or whatever you call me. Clemente and his wife then walked out of the store without buying any furniture. Remember the card, the baseball card that we were talking about? Yes. Well, you told me that in on his 1955 rookie card that the name on that card was... 
uh, Roberto. Yeah. Roberto Clemente. From 1957 until 1969, Tops listed him as Bob, not Roberto. <laughs> as Bob? Yeah. Oh, that's really weird. Did they try to make it sound, you know, more American or? I think so. Uh, so weird. So let's see if you can tell me about the two challenges Clemente faced. Well, I think first he faced um, both racial and language discrimination and that he wasn't really aware of until he came to the American mainland. Um, and second, he was a passionate baseball player. I mean, really, he was a passionate human being, and he took pride in who he was. Exactly. Outstanding. So let's review a few important statistics about Clemente's baseball career. First off, he won two World Series rings, one in 1960 and one in 1971, while playing for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Each time, the Pirates were big-time underdogs. In all 14 World Series games, Clemente got at least one hit. In 1971 World Series, with 61 million uh, viewers, Clemente's performance was... Something close to the level of absolute perfection wrote one reporter. On September 30th, 1972, Clemente joined an exclusive club of only 10 players who had hit at least 3,000 hits. Wow. He ended his career with exactly that number. Wow. He won 12 gold gloves for his defensive play in right field. No player has won more. He achieved the best batting average of any player during the decade of the 1960s, considered to be the best 10 years in baseball history. He is, he is only the second player in history to be elected the Baseball's Hall of Fame without waiting the five-year requirement. Lou Gehrig is the other. Clemente is the first Latin player to be inducted to the Hall of Fame as well. So, very impressive baseball history. Do you think that's why... 40 public schools, two hospitals, 200 parks, the Roberto Clemente Coliseum in Puerto Rico. Do you think that's why they're all named after him? That's a great question. I don't think so. What makes Clemente a hero, in my opinion, is that he lived by his mantra, which was, if you have a chance to make life better for others and fail to do so, you are wasting your time on earth. Clemente lived by these words, when after the Pittsburgh Pirates World Series in 1971, he told Pittsburgh Pirates announcer Bob Prince. And here with me right now, the greatest right fielder in the game of baseball, Roberto Clemente. Bobby, congratulations on a great World Series. Thank you, Bob. And before I, I say anything in English, I would, I would like to say something for my mother and father in Spanish. Uh, En el día más grande de mi vida, para los nenes, la bendición mía y que mis padres me echen mi bendición en Puerto Rico. That he spoke uh, in Spanish to an American audience demonstrates his humanity. He showed this humanity again when he insisted that opening day be delayed until after Dr. King's funeral was complete in April of 1968. His actions off the baseball field say more about Clemente as well. The reason why Major League Baseball honors players with the Roberto Clemente Award, which is given to the player who, 
best exemplifies the game of baseball, sportsmanship, community involvement, and the individual's contribution to his team is because of his humanity. On December 23, 1972, the city of Managua, Nicaragua, was hit by a 6.5 earthquake. The damage of this earthquake caused the deaths of at least 10,000 people and left more than 250,000 people homeless. An American billionaire, Howard Hughes, was living in, the, in isolation in Managua at the time. While Hughes quickly left the country, Clemente stepped in, raising money and supplies for the earthquake victims. When Clemente discovered that supplies were not getting to the people in need due to corruption, he took it upon himself to go to Nicaragua. Clemente knew that his fame couldn't be ignored by the Nicaraguan government. On December 31st, an important holiday in Puerto Rico, Clemente boarded a DC-7, registration number N500AE. By sheer bad luck, this poorly maintained plane, which had just been repainted, was in Puerto Rico. Just days before, the plane had actually run off the runway while taxiing. On top of that, the owner of the DC-7 wasn't even qualified to fly it. Worst of all, the plane was overloaded. Clemente knew none of this, however. The DC-7 took off three hours late on runway 7. People at the airport heard the engines backfire three times. The plane attempted to turn back, but failed, smashing into the ocean. All that was recovered of Roberto Clemente was a sock and his alligator briefcase, identified by his wife. The sharks got the rest of him. Did Clemente know he would die that day? I don't think so. What he knew was, if you have the chance to make life better for others and fail to do so, you are wasting your time on earth. Well, I hate to turn the page on my hero, but it's that time again. My next podcast will focus on another childhood hero or heroes of mine, the rock group Led Zeppelin. A big thank you to Dave Moranis, whose book Clemente is a must-read for any baseball fan. Thanks also to my partner in podcasting, Melissa Basinger. As one of my favorite historical figures said, Some people see things as they are and say why. I dream of things that never were and say, why not? A mantra that Clemente lived by. Until next time.